Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense for knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Before we get started today, I would love to share some tools with you to help with stress and feeling overwhelmed, especially for the energetically sensitive person. Feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. So today I'm super excited to connect with a fellow West Coaster and introduce her to you and have her share some of her insights with us today. So thank you so much, Helen Stewart, for joining me today. And I'd love if you could share some things about yourself so that we can get to know you better. Okay, well, I am an artist, and I'm a writer, and I'm a gardener, and I live in Victoria now in a very old and wonderful house, and I have a big, beautiful garden, but I have had an interesting life. I started, I grew up in Berkeley, California, and then I lived in northern British Columbia on a sheep farm, a very remote area for about 15 years or more before we moved here. So I've had different experiences and I think all of them have led me to learn more about gardening and the land and the soil in particular. That's mm. my big interest at the moment. Yeah, well, and it's a hot topic, actually, Helen, for people who are paying attention. It is a very hot topic because without the yeah. soil, we're nothing. That's right. Soil so and bees. important. Yeah. So when I was young, we went to see my grandmother in Rochester, New York, every summer, and my a great-grandfather had been the head of Elwinger and Berry Nursery there, which was the largest nursery in North America at the time. Oh, wow. It was 625 acres of a garden. Oh, wow. And my grandfather and his twin brother were also gardeners, fine gardeners, but they both became bankers. And I spent the summers at my grandmother's in this beautiful old garden. It was was not the Owing or Berry Garden. It was a piece that was left, a small piece. So I learned very early about a beautiful garden. And to me, it was the most beautiful place in the world. I thought it was like a fairyland. And I loved being in my grandfather's garden and working with my grandmother and cutting off dead pansies and picking roses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had an influence from when I was a child. And then 
when I married, when I was much too young, <laughs> and moved north to a little, near a little town called McBride that's mm. in the Robson Valley, and it's a very beautiful area, but when we moved there in 1965, it was very isolated, and we had a huge vegetable garden there. We were, we had sheep, but we were self-sufficient. We grew all our food, and I baked bread every day. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Homesteading. It, it was homesteading, for sure. I remember when I got my ring, a washing machine was the most wonderful gift I'd ever been given. Until then, I was actually washing clothes on a scrub board. So wow. it was, and uh, when we went to McBride, the road went from Vancouver up to Jasper and turned west, and McBride was the end of the road now. It's no longer the end of the road, but the road was only open for three or four months in the summertime. The rest of the time, it was closed, so it was very isolated. Oh, wow. And for me, this was just the most enormous change. <laughs> that would be an understatement. <laughs> it was an understatement. The first year we lived in town, and I think I, I, if I had been able to leave I would have left it was so depressing to me and I think the thing that was the hardest was there were beautiful high mountains on either side the Rockies on one side and the Caribou Mountains on the other side of this valley but it meant that the sun in the wintertime went down very early mm. and in the town at 1 30 it was pitch black and then it didn't the sun didn't come up until about 9.30, and th this is very hard. Canadians are tough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for a California girl, my goodness. I, yes, for me, it was just, mm. but I had never really paid attention to the weather growing up in California because it was always beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it, was just, it wasn't ever too cold, and it wasn't ever too hot, and I played outside all the time, and I was barefoot all the time, and this was just so different to me, and then when we moved out onto this farm, which was a beautiful little farm, and out of town further up on a hill where it didn't get dark so early. Oh, that's but good. That was good, but we did have an enormous vegetable garden. And there, it was pretty much virgin land, and then we had all the manure from the sheep barn that we plowed into the soil, and everything grew so quickly because in the summer, the days were so long, and mm. you, you worked outside pretty much until 11 at night, and then it started getting light again by 3 or 4 in the morning. So you could almost watch vegetables, the the, the uh, beans, you could almost watch them growing. They grew so quickly. And the vegetables were beautiful, sweet, oh, way wow. nicer than what I have here in Victoria, just way nicer. Isn't that but incredible? it was so so much work and we lived with Mennonites around us and they worked so hard but I did learn a different aspect of gardening and farming and at first I was just overwhelmed but I I got so I really loved it I I loved the sheep I was afraid of the cows and the horses I mean and my then husband got a job teaching at the University of Calgary so he had a long summer holiday but a lot of the time I was alone so the children and I had to manage just one catastrophe after another oh, so and I had never I had never had 
had to work when I was growing up. I didn't really know about working and I got so I loved working and you could see the results with your jars all lined up, yes. your bread all baked. But after about 15 years of that, it, well, plus the, the children were getting older and the schooling wasn't all that that they needed. We came to Victoria and then I started well, later I started gardening here, but it was a totally different situation with hardly any soil. So I had to make my soil. And I think without the experience on the farm, I never would have been able to do what I did here. Oh, really? So I was lucky to have a different type of background. Yes. Just even living off the land for like having to live off the land, the knowledge that you would gain from trial and error. And and I imagine intuition came into it when you're by yourself with kids. I always think of mother's intuition, but you would have had mother's intuition on steroids, I would assume, being so isolated. So Well, and you had to... You had to be really aware of the weather, and I never had been really before. And just, I guess because you were outside so much of the time, you were so aware of the seasons and how the seasons changed, and you depended completely on your garden, and it was just a, a different a different situation so you did really have to be aware and pay attention. And because I'm an artist, I do pay attention and look at things and I've taught children art for about a hundred years and it seems to me that what I'm always saying is look at that pay attention look at how beautiful that is and when we moved here I started giving art classes for children and one of the things I did at the beginning was I'd, I'd put a bouquet on the table, a simple bouquet, and have them draw it and then have them look at the flowers and see that nobody drew what was in front of them. Yeah. And then we'd practice up till we put, I put a bouquet on the table and then they'd have to be quiet and look at it for a few minutes and then I'd take it away and they'd draw it. And at first it didn't work at all, but after some practice they got very good and they started looking much more carefully at everything. Mm. And I, I felt that was such a good thing to learn. <laughs> well, and in today's world where we're so distracted or have to pay attention in short periods of time to many different things, I think that kind of, I'll call it an attunement almost of the memory game when you were a kid or or the exercise that you're doing you did with these kids I think that it is a training almost to pay attention and that paying attention can spill out over into the rest of your life if you if you want it to but would you agree with yes, that? Yes I totally agree with okay. that and I think it's more and more necessary today because mm. children when I was I mean I stopped teaching about 10 years ago but when I was teaching I could read a story to the children and then I couldn't read another one and they'd pay attention. Now a child can hardly sit through a story. They're so distracted all the time. And as for looking at things outside, they they don't pay attention. And I, I see parents walking, 
in my nearby park with their children and they're listening to an iPod or something while they're walking and I think, put that away. Listen to what's happening out here. Mm. You're missing everything. Why are you even coming in here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I also think of the safety aspect. I think I've talked about this on another podcast. When people go walk in nature and they have their iPads or iPods on or whatever they're listening to, they're setting themselves up, I find, and maybe it's just my paranoia, but if you don't pay attention to your surroundings, you're missing a couple of senses on top of your spidey sense not being tuned in, so I think it's there's layers to that that are important. Well, and now that I'm older and I walk <clears throat> in this park every day with my dog and when I was younger, I, I went more places to walk because there are many beautiful places in, nearby to walk. But now I mostly walk in my nearby park and I pay attention and I, every day I see something different. Every day I stop and look at something different. And I love that being so familiar with a place that you can feel the rhythm of a of the earth and you can feel the earth breathing and Mm -hmm. in the springtime going up into the camas meadow and just sitting there and listening and hearing the bees and seeing the butterflies but feeling the kind of the heartbeat of the earth but you have to be still to be able to do that and i mean as you get older energy so it's it's maybe easier are craving it more as they're forced to be still which is interesting like there's is a percentage of the population that is confined in their houses and are forced to be more still and i think there's a craving for the earth because i've had several clients who got into gardening finally this summer and they've just fallen in love with their hands in the earth and all that comes with that the grounding and and the health and all sorts of things that come with that so i think and even if you only have a tiny garden you start to pay attention to your plants yeah and, become and kids. watch them change and that's all so important it's uh, i i get so excited now to i was going to go back today to look and see if the satin flowers had started to open up and when i see the first one i just feel so happy yeah <laughs> like, oh, it's like a miracle all over again yeah <laughs> Yeah, nature is that. Nature is a series of miracles. It's really fun. And I think the more that you pay attention, and if you're gardening, the more that you garden, if you are paying attention, then the more you notice. And there's just such a huge amount to learn. Just It's never-ending. You need many, many lifetimes for this. Yeah, yeah, very true. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit, Helen. How does intuition come to you? Well, I I have intuition. I uh, sometimes I have a dream about something, or I just feel sense when something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I think being outside and gardening has developed more of a sense of of intuition, not of a specific event. Sometimes I wish I wasn't so intuitive because. Mm. Some of the things that I sense are are not happy things, but right. a general sense of intuition I think I get from 
being outside and I tend to touch things a lot. I When I walk through my garden, I, I notice I'm always feeling the plants and smelling them and I like texture and in my painting and my drawings, I like texture and layering and I think that that you can you can develop intuition by putting your hands in the ground and feeling things and being connected to things so it's an intuition but it's something larger than that it's a connection as well Mm, yeah well and just before the call you had mentioned how moving up north seemed to flip a switch almost maybe that's a little profound but it it heightened your intuition you said to me before can you go into a little bit more about that yeah now actually i was thinking about that because i wrote a book afterwards about living in the north called berkeley to the barnyard and i i marked something here where i wrote i breathed in my surroundings gradually soaking up the sense and images about me until somehow this world took hold of my heart and crept into my soul. And I think that's what happened, that at first it was foreign to me and hostile. I mean, we had bears and (laughs) coyotes by the dozen and um, so many predators that were after the sheep. And you had to be aware all the time and careful. And at first, I think I I found it all frightening, but in the end, I really loved it there, and I felt very connected, and I felt attached in a personal way, particularly to this clump of birch trees that was in our front garden, that I, I felt with this tree that if something happened to it, it would mean that it was time for me to leave the farm it just oh. was that important to me wow. i had a, a dream once of being buried underneath the tree i was that connected with the tree and wow. i did a study with my children i mean i did some homeschooling when we were there one of the things we did was study this birch tree and watch what happened and make little drawings and collect the bugs that were on there and make drawings we made a little insect collection yeah. and kept track of the different birds that came and when they came and when the leaves fell and when they started to come back again. And I think that was a, a, when I think about that, I think that was a very good project because Mm it, it included so much about the rhythm of the earth and how complex it is and how beautiful. And I thought, oh, I would have loved that if I'd. Yeah, right. For sure. When I was still at Berkeley, I um, I went to the University of Berkeley. I worked for a professor who was in zoology, and he was developing a program of uh, teaching animal coloration to fifth-grade children, and I got to help with that. And that's when I realized that I really liked teaching little children. I helped make the backdrops and cut out the butterflies, but once a week I got to go to the school and present this material to the children. And it was all new to me. I mean, I I took in snakes and I took in a tarantula. And the first day we had to cut open a fish. I'd never done that before. And just watching how interested the children were, it was so exciting. And And I think that really sparked a lot of my interest in biology and plants. And we went out in the schoolyard. It was different then. It was all grass and hillside. It was so beautiful. 
beautiful. And we collected insects and we looked at things. And I really, really enjoyed that. So that was probably about the only preparation I had for being on the farm. Wow. But, you know, it's interesting how there's been seeds, and I'll use this analogy on purpose, there's been seeds planted throughout your life connecting you to the earth, right, from your childhood. It's been interesting to follow that through the stories that you've shared. It's been well, and now that I'm older, I can see that connection, and I can see how I've ended up... I mean, I'm, I've almost gone in a circle in a way because I used to look at my grandmother's life and think, oh, I would like a life like that. And she was out in her garden, and but my life is not like her life, and it's not as formal, and she had help. <laughs> I, I mean, I have help now, too, but she had a maid. But um, it seemed so peaceful and calm to me. And my life is far from peaceful and calm, but I do have that that my grandmother had. And I can see directly how I link to my grandparents and their parents before them. And I sometimes walk through my garden and think, oh, my grandparents would be so, I wish I could take them into my garden and show them everything. They would be so proud and happy and because of course when you tell children things you have no idea whether they're going to pay attention or not but in this case I did (laughs) yes yeah they sparked the whole fire yeah that's true yeah how cool well my goodness this has been interesting so now currently you have a few books is that correct? And do you write intuitively? Like how, some, I always imagine that writing has to come from somewhere, but well, how does I'm it work not sure in my case. I mean, okay. because I was looking at my Berkeley to the Barnyard book and I was reading some of it last night and I thought, wow, this is really, really good. I don't know how I did it because I was not born a writer. I was born an artist for sure. And I drew from the time I was small. And the first things that I drew were trees and plants. So that was a very natural development for me. But when we were in the North, somebody had asked me to do illustrations for a book that he was doing. And in the end, that didn't work out, but I had done so many illustrations. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just try doing something myself. And I had a close friend who had done a book, and I I was involved in it. She lived in San Francisco. I was involved in it a little bit, and I just found the whole puzzle of putting the words together with the illustrations. I love that. I love illustrating and I love of being able to find the right words that go with the illustration. Mm-hmm. I love and and I've got so I really like writing now but in the beginning I wrote so I could illustrate but now I see the book much more as a whole and integrating the words with the pictures and when I look at something I automatically see a painting I have always like that but now I'm starting to see words that go with them too mm-hmm. and the whole process of writing and then illustrating and then putting the book I have a designer and I have an editor but working on that I I just really 
really like that. It's it, it's just a wonderful thing to do. Nice. And my last book, called Drawn Into the Garden, I worked on for five years, and I thought it would be my last book, but I no sooner finished it than I had this really good idea for another book, and so I'm already on to another book. It's just, it's it's so much fun that I it's like, oh, maybe I can do one more. <laughs> Well, those would be divinely led, I would assume, right? When you get those ideas and you have to be, you're driven to, to fulfill them. I find those things are, are intuitively led when there's that much joy that's sparked. I, I like waking up thinking, oh, I get to work on this today. <laughs> this is fun. And the other thing is in, in the wintertime when you're not in the garden, then I'm drawing more, and it's like being in the garden, so it's all kind of connected together. Yeah, yeah, that's what's cool. Wow, well, this has been fantastic to learn so much more about you, Helen, because literally I think I found you on a video that was done about your book, Drawn in the Garden. I'm like, oh, Victoria, oh, an artist, oh, a writer. I said, I think I need to have her on my podcast because that all that doesn't happen just without some intuition so thank you again for saying yes oh well you're very welcome <laughs> this has been lovely all right well until next time helen thank you so much okay it's very nice to talk to you thank you thank you so much for giving us your time today We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.